But first up on today's show, we're starting off with a uh, regular occurring feature over the past few months. We have teamed up with Detour Detroit to talk to one of their writers, Courtney Wise Randolph, about some of the city's movers and shakers and entrepreneurs that you're just not going to hear about anywhere else. And Courtney, uh, thanks for coming on to the show again today. Well, thank you for having me. And it's you always a pleasure. always bring us such a fascinating guest. And, and before we get into who, who we've got on the line today, you know, we just played part four and five of our COVID diaries, which was a project you were at the helm of last year. Uh, you know, you know, you walked in the studio and we were finishing up part six there. Uh, how does it feel to be listening to this this very intimate, very personal work that you did a year ago after now after the pandemic and after so much other stuff has happened? I really I reflected on this the other day after it was announced kind of the accolades that that project is getting for innovation. I never expected that to happen. I never expected to really be a part of that kind of project. And the feelings were really bittersweet. I've had a long desire to share stories that are really intimate and personal about the lives of everyday people and that project gave me an opportunity to talk and examine like about my experience just living life and I lost some people that I love dearly and I miss them so much um, but I also just really appreciate that um, the project has been received so well so that in that time that I was able to express how I was feeling um, and share such really deep pain, there is some sort of gift that's coming back from like me putting that out there in the in the world in the first place. And also I'll say that last chapter that was shared when I was walking in the studio, like I was just thinking about how my daughter finally isn't consumed by the tablet. So before she was like, what else can I do? But now the weather's breaking and we're outside. So that's a, that is a bright point there. I know the COVID diaries has resonated with a lot of people. And if you'd like to see the entire series, uh, just head over to WDET.org to do that. But we have you in studio today because we started a brand new partnership uh, with you guys at Detour Detroit. You've been writing a column for them, uh, talking to some of the city's entrepreneurs, movers and shakers, really interesting folks that aren't getting the kind of coverage uh, that they would get anywhere else. And so you've got on the line today a fashion designer here in Detroit who's doing something pretty unique. Tell us about them. Yeah, so Rafa Ruther is an interdisciplinary artist who has been creating all of their life and fashion isn't something that's new to them, but this particular line of clothing that they created two and a half years ago is new to the city of Detroit. They actually do have long-standing roots here, but um, we're here really to primarily talk about the clothing line and just like a lot of new businesses, Rafa created this particular line to serve a need that they saw in, in themselves, really. There was a problem they were facing when they went out to look for clothes, and they decided that they would just go ahead and take care of that issue themselves. And we've got Rafa on the line right now. Hey, welcome to Culture Shift. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Rafa, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to have you on. I appreciate you for speaking to me for that article that we have in Get Busy that came out just a few days ago. But um, really, I just wanted to know if you could speak a bit more to the inspiration for creating Rafa. And why have you named it after yourself? <laughs> um, that's a, a funny, a funny question for me. I've like since I was a kid, I've had so many like little different projects and small businesses and tried to come up with different names that worked and 
ultimately it was like too much to to remember and it was okay. it was me at the core of it so uh like you were saying like this arose out of a need that i saw for myself so it ultimately i think made sense to name it after myself um but yeah the the inspiration i mean it started definitely as a queer person as a non-binary person struggling to find clothes that made me feel like gender euphoric and uh, like showed off my body or didn't show it off in ways that made me feel good. Um, and I really just wanted to, to create that experience and make sure that the clothes that I was making were also like functional and would last. Yeah, I'm really, really fascinated by this notion of shape. Uh, you just shared you were interested in clothes that would make you feel gender euphoric and show off your body or not. And a lot of the shapes that I'm drawn to in this particular, I guess what's the staple collection right now that's online on your website, are the ones that fly away from the body. They kind of like seem to have a lot of movement to them. I'm wondering what what are the most popular styles that are coming out of your line right now? Um, I would say I make a lot of coats for people. I've got a couple different designs, um, but that was sort of like the the first piece that really took off for me was uh, my coat for working clay, which kind of has like a a shell like silhouette um, and is like designed to kind of imbue that that confidence of volume um, in like a sculptural way. Mm. I really hope that people do go check out the website so they can see these shapes that we're that I'm so fascinated by. The clothes are really comf- they're colorful, but also designed specifically to be workwear. So that is also like fascinating and fun to me. Um, one of the things before we really get into that workwear space, I know you've also got sliding scale prices. So the clothing it self is really designed to be inclusive of genders and bodies, but your prices are also inclusive as well. I'm wondering where where did you come up with the idea to do that and how are you able to sustain a living for yourself by having such vastly different prices depending on what the item is? Yeah, I mean, I spent a lot of time uh, trying to figure out like what was fair for pricing my work. Um, you know, I I went to art school and we talked a lot about like how, how to price work in general and what goes into that. And of course, there's things like materials and you know how many hours you spent working on it. But there's also the like, you know, I got an education and I spent a lot of time teaching myself how to do this, and all of that stuff has to factor in to the cost ultimately. Um, so you know. I would love to pay myself on like the upper end of my sliding scale every time if I could, but that ultimately doesn't serve uh, my community and didn't allow me to dress the people I wanted to dress, which at the beginning was like my peers. Um, Can you speak more to that? Why is it important that you, how does the pricing help you to serve your peers? Cause I don't know um, if every, if, if it's, if it's really clear to community about to the larger community why pricing could be difficult for the community that you're trying to reach. Yeah, so uh, a lot of people are used to like fast fashion prices. So, you know, like a, a shirt, maybe like $50 or less seems like how much that should cost. But 
um, when you're looking at it kind of from the more ethical perspective that my brand is, like things are going to cost more. Um, but I don't want that to like limit who my customer is. I don't want to just make things for people who have lots of disposable income. And so having the sliding scale, uh, even if the lower end is like still expensive compared to $50, um, allows like people who don't have as much money to, you know, like save up for something that they really care about and reflects their values. Uh, and it's like a, something that will like last, you know, it's this like idea of uh, like spending more, but having less because of the quality of things. Um, but ultimately the sliding scale works out for me because um, it's an honor system. So people, you know, self-identify whatever class they are and uh, it, it kind of balances out. So like people with more income are subsidizing people with less income. And in that way, I've actually been able to also, you know, broaden my client range. You know, it's no secret that you have some familiar roots here. We did kind of touch on that in the article. And you've been pretty open about that in your social media channels that you are Rafa Ruther. And so mm-hmm. there is another, I guess, famous Detroiter who adopted Detroit as, as their home um, many decades ago, who was Walter Ruther, your great uncle. And mm-hmm. when we talked before for the written piece, you said kind of coming here to Detroit was about exploring like your family's ties to labor and, and what and, and creating here. I wonder if you could speak a little bit more to that for our listeners. And also um, just talk to me about what the importance is of making workwear specifically. Is it is it just about how strong and sturdy the clothes are or is it also tied to this connection you have to labor i think it's definitely uh tied to that i mean i've made lots of different kinds of clothes but i sort of landed on workwear because of its durability and and its roots and kind of the the idea of dressing the worker um that's very much been like indoctrinated into me since i was a kid you know my family just really like values uh, like workers' rights and valuing people and, and you know, people deserve to be paid a fair wage and have health care and all of these different issues. Uh, and all of that is kind of, like, imbued in, in why I'm doing what I'm doing. Uh, but I would say it's definitely been exciting to be in Detroit and be able to reconnect um, more deeply with, like, the Ruther legacy. Um, and it makes me feel like my work is like tied more closely to those same ethics that like my great uncle and my grandpa had. Uh, And I'm excited to kind of delve into that more as I stay here. Rafa, this is uh, Amanda. I just want to jump in. I have a quick question for you on this, on this topic, you know, a couple of things that you've said so far have really struck me. One was um, gender euphoric. And then you were talking about a work and play coat that, that you had made that you were going to get into. You know, that we've heard that term before, you know, work to play. But when I'm looking at the, the photos of your designs uh, as workwear with these bright colors, these florals, uh, the amount of playfulness that you're bringing to this otherwise, you know, usually very drab uh uh, you know, area of clothing. <laughs> uh, I, lo- I love it. Is that, I, I know that's something that you've been thinking about, but to me, it has this revolutionary sort of feel to it. Well, thank you. That's very, very kind of you. Uh, but I definitely agree. I mean, 
traditional workwear is like just about you know function it's not about like looking cool and i think uh courtney really captured it in the article like you can wear my my pants to go you know garden in your backyard and put in a bunch of work but you could also like wear it to brunch and i like that it, it can be both of those things um but yeah the, the playfulness is like very uh intrinsic with who i am as a person and what i want the brand to be like i want those like classic functional things, but I just want a little bit of playfulness with that. And I mean, I just love color and I think that people deserve more options with that. And my last question for you is what do you see as the future of the brand? I know you're right now making so much of these, actually all of the items, right? By hand. Mm -hmm. Is that? Yeah. It's just me. (laughs) I mean, how, how are you going to keep doing that and still stick to these principles that you have? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, like, the next step is going to require a lot of, like, reflection and figuring out uh, what direction I want it to go in. But, I mean, right now I am making everything by myself, and it's a lot of work, especially as, like, a person with chronic pain. There's just only so much I can do in a day. Um, But I've been looking into, uh, like, small-scale ethical manufacturing. Uh, I know, like, Detroit has some programs that are starting up that are addressing that. So maybe that's like a, a way to go in the future. But I do know that I, I don't see the brand becoming like a like a huge company. That's like not so much the point for me. Well, maybe, what a pleasure. Yeah, maybe somebody listening will uh, has, uh, you know, some materials or some advice for you, Rafa. I love that. <laughs> thank you so much, Rafa. It's been a pleasure to speak to you and learn a little bit more about your brand. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on.